I'm not into podcasts. I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. What a hit! Back of the net. Hello. Welcome to the Not Upon a Podcast. I'm Not Upon a Killing Ginnity, and I'm delighted to be joined, as ever, by Not Upon a Conor Glennon. How are we going, boys? And, of course, by journalist and author and the man that gives us the credibility, Robbie Redmond. Hey, lads. How are you? Clap him in. Gives us credibility. It's what we need. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I could be better than the man that is on Cloud 8, not Cloud 9. It's Conor Glennon. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, yeah. Usually when you see scores involving Newcastle on a on a 8-0 level, it's 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 when we're on the wrong side of it. So it's it's nice to be on the right side of it for once. Um It was a weird game to be honest though. Like when it started out, the the first goal for me probably wasn't a goal. I don't know about whether it, the over the line piece you can you can go to VAR on that one, but but for me I think it's it's very much the the handball is the dubious one there. Um, going down from there, second goal, burn, great header back post, third goal, uh, the free kick was argued, um, and, and and to many was a, was an obvious one. I think it's the game gone soft a little bit. Uh, I don't know what you guys think on that one. We'll come back to that. Um, and then we go through the list, my friend, uh, Wilson, then my friend uh, Gordon b- popped his head up again. And <laughs> all, all in all, a great performance, but I think... The biggest one for me is three assists from Trippier. It just shows the kind of player that he still is and what he's bringing to the team. I don't think anybody expected him to have quite the impact that he's had, Rob. Um, Newcastle, Premier League challengers, like, will they be up there with Arsenal and City? No, not yet, but there's definitely. I think they'll definitely have another European run in them. If they get, if they get knocked out of Europe early, which they probably will, and my United don't look great, I think they, they will be in the picture for top four, but in other Europa League, if you were to get into the Europa League, it wouldn't be the worst thing for them because I do think they're still a bit ahead of schedule. Um, I've had kind of weird emotions watching them. My first one was like, I'm so old, I remember the last time Newcastle won 8 nil in the Premier League when they beat like <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday in 99. I think Shearer scored five goals. That was he the did. first one. Yeah. Second one was just like, God, these promoted teams are, are terrible. And I know we're going to come to this, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say I was bored by the end, but I did feel kind of, not as a, obviously kind of, you wouldn't have felt it as a Newcastle fan, but as a neutral, I was like, it was kind of bloodless. And I seen a, a photo of that woman reading a book when Sheffield United were 7 nil down. I don't know whether it was AI or whatever, but it was just, I felt like nearly all of them Sheffield fans are probably just waiting for the championship when they can win a couple of games again. So, it was um, interesting to watch, but um, a bit, bit kind of grim like that. This is the, the the gap now between the fourth best team last season and the twenty fourth best team in England. You could say or twenty second probably because they finished second in the championship. Um, yeah, but Newcastle do look like there's a good bit of squad depth there, and this kind of idea that Europe would knock them off course probably probably won't won't come to fruition just yet. Anyway. I don't think the gap is as big as you think. Like, look at in the last couple of years, um, the teams in red and white, probably every year or every 18 months had been getting 8-0 losses. There was uh, Southampton and Sutherland kind of in kind of recent years. Um, maybe not 8-0, but definitely in the eight. Um, like, Connor, is it that big of a loss? Like, I don't think... 
it's panic stations for Sheffield after that this early. I think it's panic stations for John Egan. I don't think it's panic stations for for Sheffield United as, as a whole. I think he'll be he'll be questioning his his kind of at least run for an Ireland team and that, or even the leadership of the dressing room. But look, there's always a turkey every year. There's always a massive win like that, whether it's your kind of the seven ones, the eight nils, or anything like that. I think the the biggest disparity. Though going back to Rob's point between the two clubs was was the fact there was eight different scorers is, yeah. is humongous, and I think the second thing as well is it's the most shots on target in the Premier League in the last seven years. Like it, I I think stats like that really back up what Rob's saying in 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 terms of 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 that void, but. Is it a killer blow for Sheffield United? Look, we're only what six, seven games in. Once we once we get into double digits, we'll have we'll have a better kind of side of what's going on. But as of now, I'm I'm kind of on the fence, but leaning more into Rob's garden one than thing, anything. One thing that that game was missing for a proper Premier League classic was like a five goal score, like a Yakubu or a Viduka. Like yeah. that's the one thing I think that like Premier League's missing now where you have that one shit house striker that's gonna get like four or five goals in a game and then just sit back for the rest of the season. Like <laughs> Yeah. And that's when the dumb games you see those freak results, usually there is one player who just shoots the lights out. Like I remember Wigan lost nine one to Spores, but Jermaine Defoe scored five or going back he speaking of being old, going back to the mid nineties when Andy Cole scored five against Ipswich, or usually there's an inspired performance in there, but this was just Newcastle being kind of efficient and and like targeting set pieces, and and you're just like, oh god, like Sheffield United can't even be good at set pieces. This is usually what these teams who get promoted are good at, and I just it just felt kind of bloodless, and it came to my, I had an epiphany then that I just think that that and combined with other things that the Premier League. Is too the, the competitive balance is too skewed towards the big teams, and I think there should just be eighteen teams in the league because Oof. there's just too many turkeys, and it's it's fun to watch. It's like it's it's like a, it's spectacle or something, but it's I think it's becoming more and more these type of crazy results and the gap between them. Um, yeah, like it, can and could you get a bet on Sheffield United to stay in the Premier League? Like, <laughs> I, I just like you couldn't give me a free bet on that. They're just not. There's no way they will. And I just think it's time maybe to cut two loose. I think it would make the Premier League more competitive. When you put that in the group chat <laughs> about going down to eighteen teams, myself and Connor were like. <laughs> We had a little side chat just kind of going, <laughs> what has Robert been drinking? <laughs> like, no. there's a baby on the way. Has he already lost his, or lost his How's sleep? his day going? Yeah, what, what's happened? Well, yeah. No. I've honestly... <laughs> no, I'm... Plead your case. Plead your case. Come on. Okay. Do you hear people going like, remember like the project big picture, all the, the kind of, the owners of Man United and Liverpool come out with this idea and everyone's like, this is disgraceful. One of them was cut the Premier League down to 18 teams. Like, this is terrible. And I'm like, I actually think this is a good idea. Like, so... Burnley, Luton and Sheffield now have three points between them after, well, Burnley and Luton have a game in hand, but they've played, they have played 16 games between them, so that's 48 points on play, and they've three points between them. Now, like, it's just, they're not good enough. And then you look at, what other metric are we going to look at? It's not their fault. Like, so, let's say, like, if you look at, like, transfer mark that has, like, Manchester City's total market value of their squad, it's 1.18 billion. Like that's a lot, obviously, and you're not we're not looking to compete with them. But even let's say who's a run of the mill team that you can think of there? Like here's Everton, a terribly assembled squad. A Bournemouth, Bournemouth squad is worth three hundred and thirty-seven million. 
Luton's is worth 85 million. 85 million. You wouldn't buy Aaron Haaland's left leg for that. Sheffield United <laughs> are worth 135. Burnley a bit more towards the, the, the mean, which is they're worth like 227. And then you look at wage bills. Like they're, they're so far behind their other teams. And it effectively it feels like they're just hanging out in the league. They'll get hammered and then they'll just get parachute payments. And ultimately, I just think it would be a better league if the bottom two teams, if it just cut out 18 teams, two teams get relegated every season, two get promoted, and there's a playoff between the third last team in the Premier League and the third top team in the um, Championship. So Man United's wage bill this season is $200 United are a mess. So let's say Liverpool, their well-run club, theirs is $134 Luton's is $3.6 Three point six million. Sheffield United is thirteen million. Burnley's is twenty, nearly twenty-one million pound a year. Now, there's a good book out for years now, Soccernomics, where they say, forget mm. about managers, forget about transfers. The biggest indicator of where your team's going to finish is its wage bill. And Brentford are going beyond that. They're thirty-four million. They're next on the list. They're punching above their weight, because they're a really well-run club. They've probably got players under value, whatever it might be. But Burnley, Sheffield United, and Luton are just. On every metric, I just don't think they're good enough to be in the Premier League. Like, Luton lost last night to Exeter. Like, like they're not. They're I don't not think they expected. League. I don't think they expected to be in the league, and I don't think no. they were prepared to be in the league. It just happened, and they're like, "Oh, that's Christ. the beauty of the Premier League." Is like but, this stuff yeah. can happen. I don't know, and then like you're sludging to it. I'm one, again. I love we love watching football, so you probably shouldn't say this. I'm just too many matches on. Like I don't <laughs> need to really watch Luton v Burnley. Like if you take those two teams out, there's four like teams like four fewer games. I just think like Everton would finally get relegated, like or you know that way. That's not against Everton, but they've been hanging it out down the bottom for yeah, for a good it That's it. And then you have these teams like you drop in or the yo-yo teams, and you never seem to get better. Like Norwich have been relegated six times, like six times in thirty years. So I just I think the the product would improve, and I do. I sound like a a, a capitalist here, like a raging <laughs> capitalist. Like, I'm not. It's just like the Bundesliga has eighteen teams, League One has eighteen teams. I just don't think the quality is there for for those twenty teams, and it, it just shows in these type of results and. Again, it's not a bad day. Like I watched Man United lose seven 0 to Liverpool in in March. Like the two teams are on equal, roughly Button, equal level. Yeah. If you looked at them, that can happen. But this is just eight 0 felt probably about right. Like, and that just doesn't seems a bit grotesque or something to me. So for a better product, as a neutral, as a passive fan, Kelly, and just watching a like vegetating, watching Sky Sports, I just no, I'd be I. I gladly wave off Luton and Sheffield United now, basically. Keep Borny around, maybe, because they won the championship. Give them a chance. Just to really put the fucking firecracker amongst the pigeons, uh, Connor, a lot of Rob's arguments are the same arguments, uh, reasoning for the Super League. <laughs> oh, you're really throwing them into the fire now. Uh, Gary Neville will be coming at you. Um, I mean... When Rob first said it, I was horrified. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm slightly warming to the idea in terms of a... Uh, I don't think... You'd have to do it on a trial basis and, and see where it goes from there. I think do it for 
I don't know, a two-year period and, and, and see it. I suppose the the argument is you open that door and it's open, it's never going to close again. Because don't forget, it's going to change the whole structure for the rest of the football That's table. the problem. So, yeah. like, you're either doing it or you're not. Yeah, I think... Uh, I, the bit that has has me interested is that kind of relegation playoff. That's that's big TV. That's big advertising. That's excitement. That's I think any fan would watch that. I think the only people like let's face it, right now the what every club is looking for is clicks. If it gets clicks, it will happen. That suggests it would get clicks. Where you your problem is those the the people that are making the rules are all football purists, and I just don't know if they'd ever let that happen because I I think the Premier League like vanilla. They like safety. They like the same thing happening that they can they they know is going to happen. And this this they don't know what's going to happen, and I don't think they'd like it. Calling yes. the guys in charge of football football purists is. <laughs> That is beyond the pale. Like, they are not football purists. They are money purists. Like, yeah. Everything that they do... Is Safety purists, com- we'll put it that way. Yeah, like, they're trying to protect their investment, Rob. Yeah, but, like, even then, like, there's still going to be two teams getting promoted and two teams getting relegated, and then there's going to be another kind of playoff place. So the, the movement between the leagues is, is going to be still the same. It's just, hopefully, it's a better quality of, of team being promoted, or hopefully you're getting rid of the kind of dead weight at the bottom and this happened before like this happened in 1994 there were originally 22 teams in the Premier League no one's no one's crying because Swindon Town isn't there or or Ipswich or whatever it might be so R.I.P. yeah yeah <laughs> like it's just like I I do sound I know I sound like a bastard but I just if you actually look at it and stop and you go it's September and we know who are going to be relegated give or take like so the last time Three teams were on, had one point each after the, at this stage of the season was the 2020 21 season, the COVID season, and they were Burnley, Sheffield United, and Fulham. And two of the three were relegated Fulham and Sheffield United, and Burnley got out of it because they had Sean Dyche. She was like, This is his specialty. So you could make an argument that, well, there's a lot of the season to go, and but I think Luton in particular could, they could probably finish on, finish on fewer points than Derby. So there's no incentive now for Luton to improve or spend more money on players because they're, they're going relegated. anyway. They, yeah. yeah, look, what's the point? And they'll, this could end up being a great thing for them. They'll go back down, they'll build a stadium because they're they're effectively a championship team anyway. But I just I just don't think it's competitive. I think sports should be the best against the best and calling it the Premier League when Luton it is Sheffield the Premier League. Like I think, it, I, the, I think on your point, the, one of the things that keeps coming into my head is we're all we're all victim to it. You're watching match of the day two. It's the last game of the weekend. I'd love to see the viewership figures on who's actually watching that game. There's at least when you're watching match of the day, there's at least three where you're like, these are complete turkeys. Yeah, Crystal Palace is usually when I knock it off. I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's getting a bit late what? now. <laughs> If you're worried about the kind of disparity, would it not be better to put the restrictions on the top end? Because, like, look at Chelsea's spending. Is that not where the problem is? Not poor Luton getting their best chance? Because even if they go down, they're going to have a windfall that they couldn't have imagined two or three years ago. So, like, would it not be better to put the restrictions on wage caps and just get that under control, which they've been trying to do and they're just kind of half-assing it? There'll always be ways around it, though. Always. Yeah, always. Yeah, but, like... It, would that not be a more um, 
merit-based for football, for protecting the integrity of football way of doing it than trying to kill the probably the last real uh, traditional fun element of the sport. Like the Super League's trying to get rid of that. The MLS is getting rid of that. Like the relegation and like the the dream of getting to the big time for these little teams is what keeps people coming. And like whatever about the fan bases of the of the Premier League teams, they're like everyone will have a Premier League team. But it's the fans that go every week in championship and the divisions down are the real drivers of football. This is turning into Frost, Frost Nixon, boys. This is capitalism <laughs> versus socialism. With the wage caps, Gideon, like that's gone. That horse is bolted. We'd all be in favour of that. Like that's, I think that would be excellent. And it's just not going to happen now. But like how any club can spend a billion in three windows? Like, I don't like that's it. the problem. Not but we can laugh poorly. at them when they failed. Though that's yeah, the good thing. That's the fun bit. Yeah. But even like yeah. even if they come in with a salary cap model, like they have one in Formula One and your top three salaries don't count against the salary cap. Your signing on fees don't count against the salary cap. Your bonuses don't count against the salary cap. So it's kinda like same thing in the NFL. Like there there's a the, 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 there's a new term being coined in the NFL called financial gymnastics, where it's it's basically how far down the road can you kick that can. So I think it's yeah. it's it's look, there's Good accountants out there, there's bad accountants out there, but they're all pretty smart, a lot of them. And I think, they're, they're especially in high-performance sport where the money is so high, they'll find ways around it at any point. Like, if Chelsea get out of this season or the next couple of seasons better an FFP tag, game's done. Like, is it, everyone's yeah. just going to start playing the Chelsea way. Chelsea could be. Chelsea are a problem, Kidding, but this, this my, my crazy plan means that they have more chance <laughs> of being relegated. Like they could have a season where where they yeah you're right they finish sixteenth and like they're in that playoff and they're coming up against the mighty Luton Town then like and that they are the bigger problem and it's not that 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 this is the biggest problem but I just look at that going God like I just think it'd be a better product better for everyone because Luton could go and win matches in the in the championship or improve their squad there and maybe get more of a slice of the pie from the Premier League which is being consolidated in these clubs but. And then with this idea of doing it, it would be, yeah, you could have a bad season, you could drop to 16. So that mid-table mediocrity that a lot, some clubs, a lot of clubs kind of just drift in for years. Like, I don't want to name any, but I think Palace are good, great atmosphere at the grounds. But maybe Palace, they're not good enough to get into, into Europe, but they're too good to get relegated. Fulham. Fulham's been knocking around for they've been in the dark yeah. for a long time. Wolves, wolves are probably the big one now. Like they're not doing as well as, as they used to, and maybe it just sharpens the senses a bit, and we get a better product. And for fans, like fans have been taken for a ride. Like they're having televised matches now. They could be having them a half six of a Sunday when you and you can't get a train up back up to the end of the country. So this would involve two fewer chips for fans. So. This might save a few quid. So I think I think your TV providers though are also going to join the argument there because like say if you've BT Sport one two or whatever it's TNT now Sky Sports all their different channels like ESPN all of them obviously have different rights to different games so you're kind of eating their lunch there and going like yeah we may not give a flying flute about yeah. Luton Burnley but that's the game we have rights yeah. for you know yeah it is going against the trend of everything is content. Yeah, so. I I do have one thing that might sway us against the idea, which Never. is if <laughs> if there is less games, then Todd Bowley will get his All Star game. 
that's I'd, when the I'd, game is gone. Am I crazy? I'd watch that. I'd watch I would. It once, I would. Me. I would definitely watch it once. I yeah. I, I <laughs> like. I when you see, it depends how they execute it, right? If it's like pure clickbait bullshit, I'm not interested. But if they interweave the clickbait bullshit with a good game of ball with the best ballers in the league, I don't know who's watching that. The only concern with that is. If your star player gets injured in an all-star game and misses the start of the season come the next year. But, I mean, come what may, if the clubs get reimbursed for it and there's a security there, I'd watch it. I would, and I I, I am swiftly turning away from... If you'd asked me four years ago, I think I was a lot more of an old bastard about these things. But I, I, I think the way, the way football's gone recently, I'm like, you know what, why not? Yeah, I think there's too many matches as well. Like, and it does reduce the quality, particularly when it gets into the winter time, Killian. So you see just rotation, and you sit down to watch a game, and and then it's like, and then as a Man United fan last year, I was getting annoyed because Man United weren't rotating, so you can't really win sometimes either. So yeah, I just, I'm just those two, those two teams at the bottom, those three, just don't seem competitive or good enough. And there has been times in the past where they were, but this lot doesn't. So. Um, I wouldn't be sad to see them go. Putting you on the spot, you can introduce one crazy restructuring rule. What would you bring in? Oh, I... My one would be a promoted relegation playoff. That's good. I like the, that. The third bottom and the third top fight each other, and that's who gets you decided who gets to say it. So if it's like Wolves were to finish 18th and Sunderland were to finish third in the championship, well, then they battle out and it's on that one game that Wolves either live or die uh, for me I love that I, I love dog <laughs> fights like that um, I'd take a Champions League place away uh, maybe more than one maybe top two only get Champions League that said then you're left with City and someone else so yeah probably three Champions League spots for me um, wherever Rule investigates Man City for years and years of <laughs> financial doping and cheating and ruining the sport and failing that, I don't know, maybe like maybe something like an NBA style trades like that. That would be fun for a while. Like what's Erlen Haaland worth? Or what yeah, would, get, give us what, four players plus a draft pick yeah. right away. Yeah. What would Villa have got for Grealish that time and City paid a hundred million for him? Maybe, maybe something like ama- that. Amalgamate the academies. Like instead of having like each club having an academy, just have like a UK academy. And, oh, and then a draft system. And then draft system for the superstars. That, but then it's. It, but then I, I only thing I can say with that is it'd be a fucking crime if Erling Haaland went to Luton. Like that is it. No, no, no. Like, it, w- like, it wouldn't be Haaland. <laughs> so it'd be more like say Garnacho instead of getting the breakthrough at United, he could be going to that. I could West vibe Ham. with. Yeah, that I could go with. Yeah, it's like it's that slightly younger one. And if they don't like it, then fuck off to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we're not in charge of anything. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, one man I am gl- very glad is in charge of his team is Ange, because Connor, what a bloke. I, I love him. I, I've, I've said, you know, I've cro- on air and off air that I'm for decades I've despised Spurs, um, but between Madison's son and 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 Big Ange, I'm really starting to kind of change that. And I don't know if you guys saw the the fan form and and kind of how yeah. Ange was reacted to the the question from a young fan, and it's it's things like that that that'll and I a lot of people would 
would sadistically think that he's trying to you know put cash in the bank for if things don't go his way but he's just not that guy you don't operate that way and there was some really nice pr- kind of uh, his reaction to the kid was beautiful and then i think his post-match comments were, were, were also just absolutely stunning um and i'm he's 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 got a big fan in me and uh it seems like he's bringing a lot more Australian eyes to the Premier League as well from what I'm reading he seems to be their their, their kind of darling and I, I think people are starting to appreciate now what they had with him as an international manager and, and what they missed out on maybe and the same with the kind of Japanese based fans as well I think and like I think that's I think an appreciation of what he did in Japan as well um, as what he did for Australia and then what he did as Excel. It's like it's going to be helped, like football manager are now bringing in Japanese league. And I think just that kind of acquainting uh, the level of football over there in the likes of a video game will be a big benefit to like the likes of us where we're just kind of talking shite on a on, on, on a night about football and just having that kind of surface level knowledge. Um and I think, Rob, I think that'll be kind of a, a, a big kind of tell for... Because um, I remember there was a link at one stage, a former Leeds defender, going back to your 20th, 20th century football, Patrick Kisnorbo. Um, he was doing well out in uh, Melbourne City, and I think he has a coaching job now with either a championship or a um, pre- Premier League team. But he was actually being linked with like Sunderland at one stage when we were in League One. So I, I think that we could... Uh, on the back of Angie, a nice little in- Asian influx. Create a yeah, portal, I, I suppose. Yeah, um, and it's it just shows that the football, it's there's life beyond these. I think Daniel Levy said it in that presentation or that forum they were having that we went for the so-called trophy managers like Conte and Mourinho, and it just didn't work. So you might as well get this guy in. And he, he is highly regarded because... You might know better than me, Katie. I think he was coaching like Yokohama City. And they, are they part of the City group? And I think that's how the recommendation went to Celtic about him. And when he, when he was appointed at Celtic, like Celtic fans won't admit it now, but there was a lot of them up in arms about it giving out because they just lost Rodgers a few months before that. And Rodgers was this great manager. But I think he's absolutely brilliant. And I thought Tottenham were the better team in that match. And what really struck me watching it, was that like they've played six matches now and there's more identity and I don't use that that term is used a lot but he's put his stamp on that team more in, in six games than Ten Hag probably has now at United in 13 months 100% so, yeah like and and two Madison's great to watch Son is back to his best brilliant finishes and um, he just seems to have this Midas touch with players and it's it's just great to watch as a neutral and it that really really struck me because it again he's 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 a lot closer to the Zerbi and Guardiola the elite coaches and Klopp than Ten Hag and maybe the next run under that I think he has something special definitely. Uh, he was at uh, Yokohama F Marinos, who are twenty percent mm. owned by Citigroup and eighty percent by Nissan, <laughs> and who their uh, big main player seems to be now Rio. Miyachi, do you remember him from Arsenal? That, that rings a bell, yeah. Alone. He was on like a Bolton and Wigan and all that, just that random yeah. middle winger. Uh, he's over there and he's still only 30. Jesus. Robbie, that's some serious pub quiz, quiz knowledge right there, <laughs> fair play. I, I read a profile of him a couple of years ago and I stuck in my head that, you, know, you don't hear how these things work, your fans are like, oh, why did he appoint him? Because someone who knows something, who knows what they're doing, recommended him and the football he plays is, is on that elite 
level, like the Zerbi as well, like he's playing football that, yeah, you might not know this guy, he might not be a famous ex-player, but he's doing something right. And it just, Postacogo seems to have that perfect mix of, he's, he's at the forefront of the game in terms of his tactics, but he's human skills. I'd love to have a manager like him. Oh, you'd run through a brick wall for him. You'd absolutely yeah. do anything for him. And I think you can see that in that second goal where Son and Madison just do a smash and grab job and, and, and yeah. kind of run it through. And, you know, you see, I, I saw another video going around. I don't know if it was Instagram or, or whatnot. You, like, his, his effects even reached LinkedIn at this point, but it was, he was very much going like, think about the person that, that got you here, whether it was your dad, your brother, your sister, your, you know, your, teacher he's like when you go out of there you're representing them and it's one of those where you're like it sounds like birthday card piss but like it's it's actually good stuff and it makes players yeah. go okay i had a journey to get here i'm i'm bought in you know yeah he's definitely he's lived the life like when you used to hear brendan rogers or remember andre vs balls kind of speak like this he's like bit spine rogers a great coach but i come across a bit spoofy a bit linkedin he shows but, great character great character yeah Postacock is 58 like this guy's been around he's been around a lot and he's managed an outpost like from what we would consider outpost like japan or scotland um australian national team and um, not necessarily glamorous job so he's taken the long road to get here and i think he could manage anything i could imagine you can imagine him running the pub or wherever it might be you're you're gonna i think what he says carries weight definitely and um, I, Tottenham are really, really good to watch this season. He's got a jovial kind of Simeone vibe to him. Less less kind of terrifying, but that kind of man management or a Jose at the peak of his powers or Pochi. Yeah, even a bit of a Russell Crowe feel off him. <laughs> Russell Crowe would play him in the movie when Tottenham win the Premier League if they win it. Like you're saying about him doing the hard yards, like he... Started off in like semi-pro football, but like at one stage he went to the third division in Greece... And got the sack within a couple of months, and then came back for with Brisbane and worked his way back up again. And I think that kind of experience is going to be massive for Tottenham with them having kind of const, constantly been so close yet so far. Where it's that kind of like, what you do, you dust yourself off and you go again. And I think that's where could be the difference over the next couple of years if they back him and just give the man what he wants that could be the difference uh, in comparison to say like an Arteta who's spent most of his career kind of being molly cuddled and handed what he wants and oh yeah you want to spend a hundred million this season cool go and do that I'd be surprised well not surprised I'd be worried that Levy wouldn't give him the time if something starts going wrong I don't trust that guy with, with, with anything and I mean he has a history of inflating the egos of his managers when it's going well and then when things aren't he, he he kind of cuts ties pretty swift so look Spurs are playing fantastic football it's great to see them challenging in the way that they are I mean I'll put it to the floor do we think that potentially top three two I think they could finish ahead of United which I think you're looking at situations Man City obviously then Liverpool then Arsenal, I think Liverpool will finish ahead of Arsenal. And I've thought that even before the start of the season. And I think there will be obviously one there. It's between Tottenham, Brighton and Man United. The way it's working as well, five teams could get a Champions League spot this season. But he does have something. If you, like if you're going, it's 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 the meta as well. Like like these trophies only mean, look at Man City, they win all these trophies, but who actually cares? Like who genuinely really cares? No one cares other than the players and 
couple I don't of even fans play, there, No one dreams of winning the Carabao Cup. Come on, let's be real. Yeah, but I'd rather watch this type of football and, and, and see my team play like that and those kind of element of smash and grab against them, Arsenal. And, like, that's two points taken off Arsenal, but I, Tottenham could have won that match and, like, a penalty went against them. So, yeah, I think they'll definitely be in the top five this season between them and Brighton, maybe. I, I can't see United... They were lucky. They were very lucky that that Jesus didn't score that one that he plucked off Madison's toe. But I mean, yeah, it, these things happen. But one thing I don't know about you guys that that was uh, really stuck out for me was uh, the Raya Ramsdale situation and and the kind of on the stat side of things, it's Ramsdale's um, third game on the bench and it was the first time that Ray conceded a goal, but. The bit that stuck out for me, aside from Reyes, I think there was three massive saves there, was was Ramsdale's reaction. When oh. he didn't just clap, he stuck those hands so high in the air that like, he just don't care. And uh, yeah. I think he was I think he was putting a statement out with that one. Yeah, the statement is he's he's gone. <laughs> and he wants yeah. people to notice him. Yeah. It's it's like it's amazing the power of um a good agent or just creating a narrative. Like this narrative has been created. But there's no narrative to have. Like, player has been replaced by a better player. Like, it's that simple. Like, it really is that simple. And and Ramsdale, he just stop clapping and stop all that nonsense. Like, just like bide your time. He had his chance. He had all, not only did he have all last season and the season before, he had first seven or odd games of this season, including maybe six games this season before he dropped them. He had plenty of chance. And like, he's not good enough. He's not on that level. And Less less clapping and more just let him get on with it because he he just needs to stop trying to put the attention on him and get his agent to stop leaking that he's linked with this team or that team or pundits coming out and saying that it's a mad decision or it's this or that. It's it's not. David Ray is a better goalkeeper. It's that simple. It's that simple. Ramsdale is the most politically savvy footballer since George Weah. Like I have never seen posturing like it like Rob you sent it into the group David Seaman defending Ramsdale was yeah. it Rooney defending Ramsdale Piers Morgan Sharon the- Sh- Sharon the agent is, is in the background she's yeah. a fucking it's genius. actually a he it's actually a he I don't more digging oh sorry oh. yeah sorry should, yeah it's Google he's a big agent like so Ramsdale signed to the same agency as a lot of people who are the high profile people who are defending him so like back in March, um, Rooney compared him to Peter Schmeichel. Now I watched Peter Schmeichel for years. Ramsdale is nowhere near Peter Schmeichel. I mean, they're, bo- like, they're both on. blonde. That's about it. But yeah, put it this way: Ramsdale, <laughs> Peter Schmeichel's considered an all-time great. Ramsdale can't get a game for England ahead of Pickford. He was a good goalkeeper, but he's, he's Jordan Pickford. One's Peter Schmeichel. Um, David Seaman, as I said, it was saying come out today saying it was a crazy decision. Piers Morgan, these guys are mouth. Like Piers Morgan's a mouth, but. I, maybe it's a coincidence that they're all represented by the same agency. Maybe I'm paranoid. I don't know, but it just seems I don't think like there's a narrative. I think there's a narrative out there at Ramsdale, and he's played the game kind of well. And like he's, I'm sure he's a lovely guy, and he speaks well, wherever it might be. But this is a pure football decision, and anyone that's still debating this needs their head checked because, like, you don't go and spend forty million on a goalkeeper. I know he's on loan for a year, if unless you need him. Like Liverpool aren't going. 
out to get a new goalkeeper because Allison's the best goalkeeper in the world and, and that's it. Like Real Madrid aren't going to sign a new goalkeeper unless they have to because they've Thibaut Quarta, same at Man City. Like it just, just doesn't happen. So unfortunately, Aaron Ramsdale is a good to average Premier League goalkeeper. David Rea is better with the potential to be an elite goalkeeper and and that's it. There shouldn't be any more articles about it, any more posturing for the saves, nothing like that. It's and take a seat on the bench and when the time comes, play well and just I sound like an old football man, just keep your <laughs> head down because it's it's so transparent, like it's so obvious to anyone. I, I think there could be a little bit of a rift between Ramsdale and Teta, Arteta coming up, but I think that would still pale in comparison to Sancho and Ten Hag still at each other, Connor. <laughs> I, Rob, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll let you destroy whichever party you see fit in a minute, but I, for me, where I think it's getting a bit too heavy is... When Ten Hag Ten Hag's lying in the sand, I know he has to keep it because he'll lose the the rest of the players if he bends on it. But when I think his his comment was, I don't talk about players who are unavailable, and it's just like you're throwing shade with that. That's not just that I'm not talking about it. That's a don't talk about the the ginger stepchild, like you know. <laughs> um, I'm I'm completely torn on this because. I don't think Sancho has been good enough. I, I That's the first thing to say. I don't think he's the player Man United thought he was, so I don't think he's necessarily a big loss. As I said, United are nearly improving now by bringing on like Hannibal, who's been playing well, and he was he wouldn't have been probably in the picture, even though he play in different positions and a different player. So that's one thing. The other one is, Sancho's in the wrong, really. If he's not trained to the level the manager thinks, that's that's on him. And that's not even being old school. That is literally his fault. His one job during the week is just to train well. And so that's the other one. It's Torun coming out on Twitter and saying that does it like he's a scapegoat. Like that's, that's where that's where when he brought social media into it, that's where I think it was like pre that you could be like, okay, you have an argument here, but I think he went way too far yeah. with that. You just like you cannot publicly go against the manager, no matter what. No, and Manager how can you win that? publicly out of them though? I agree with that, but I think that's, that's the next point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not, not not condoning like going out on, on Twitter and all, but yes, yeah. Ten Hag played dirty and he got played dirty back. But, Let's just but, have that said. I think the difference is though is, I mean, Ten Hag that must have been the end of the line. He must have tried everything at the, unless he's fucking insane. Like, if that was his first step in the plan of get Sancho back, go public, he's a Bond villain. But, like, if, <laughs> if, if to me, that screams a manager who's gone, like, I've tried talking to you. I've tried to get the lads to talk to you. I've tried to covertly get the press to talk about you, and you're not getting the point. It's like, okay, now I'm just going to hammer you. And I think yeah. a player like that, that goes two ways. They either go publicly accept, yeah, look, I haven't been... I've been trying my best. It hasn't. You could politely do it. You could say I've been giving my all. It just isn't working on the field for me. You're basically saying the same thing. Or you could put your hands up, and the fans will appreciate it more if you go, "Look, I just haven't been good enough." In an Onana kind of way, where he came out and was like, "Look, I've just I haven't been good enough. It's on me," which arguably was tactical, but it's a messy, messy situation. And like we said last week, or was it was it the week before? I I, I think I think his time's done there, and I don't know where he's going to go because no one can afford him. That's the one argument you could make. 
is definitely is that is Ten Hag good enough to like Postacoglu, as we've said, has got into these players' heads. He's got them to a Tottenham play above what the level they were shown last season, and that obviously shows that he has that kind of touch about him that he can get this reaction out of players. Ten Hag's a bit of a charisma vacuum. Let's like he's a bit <laughs> stiff. Like he, he's not. He wouldn't. You wouldn't go running off the battle after. A, a, he's a bit, bit technical. Dutch. Yeah, he's a. He's on the bit Dutch, but he's not Dutch. And the the Van Hal was Dutch, but he was crazy as well. He was kind of charismatic, <laughs> like, and he was funny. Um, um, he would, Ten Hag kind of reminds you. Remember your man in the Simpsons, Rex Banner, the <laughs> beer baron. Yeah. I was coming after Homer. He's a bit stiff, like, but he knows what he's doing. And a moment you're like, oh, he had no choice, and he's right to lay the, the marker down and. It, it, that's his prerogative he's sick of this guy he's had a year and he's exhausted all their avenues on the other hand you're like the man, managers now unfortunately unless they're kind of like Pep they kind of have to be able to coach Work more out of players yeah. yeah so that's the only argument you could give it in favour of Sancho's stances that I, Ten Hag doesn't have the people skills required. I think the money's gone against him as well because like you look at the Beckham situation with Ferguson back in the day that was as big a player as arguably Sancho is now financially, but Beckham still got moved on. But because times have, have moved on in terms of you're not getting rid of someone who's on, what, 350 grand a week, Beckham would have been on something comparable. But that was back in the day, the Galacticos. United aren't going to sell him to City. City don't want him. It's like, unless you mutually agree to let him go, where, what happens, you know? But see, this is the big thing that's kind of been wrecking my head about how Ten Hag has gone around this and keeping an eye keeping an eye on Ronaldo as well, which I think ended in the way that it had to end. But these are guys that the club has committed to paying these large contracts to. If they weren't such a basket case at the top, this is where Mercer should be coming in and saying, no, Eric, this is a 70 to 90 million yeah, worth of an investment. Yeah. You have to make this work. Get over it. Play big boy toys and make this work. Because at the end of the day, this is a job. And like Sancho was given the three months off to get things going. And like, what, what, player, what was that three months though? Was that was that like? Because I, I never really dug into that. Was that a a mental health thing? Was that a physical fitness thing? What was that? Mental health, but nothing more was kind of given. Ten Hag was really good with him, to be fair, mm. as you would expect him to be. But other managers might not have been. And he gave him a couple of months off and he came back. But even before that, like I've I've never seen any signs. They might Man United may have paid seventy three million or whatever it was for him, but I've never seen any evidence that he is that type of player. And but you, see, this goes back to what yeah. you were saying last week, Rob, about the lack of a scouting network. Because yeah. this was known from his Dortmund days that he loved to stay up late playing video games. Yeah, that he was- co- turns up late constantly, and like this is where if. You, the bigger problem I think overall is just United structure or lack thereof because this is where a director of football would be able to go in and actually go listen yeah. he's a bit of a wronging do we sign him or do we not and if you are bringing a manager in to give them the heads up and kind of go listen the dressing room yeah Marcus he, he'll do whatever you want for him Harry unless you piss him off he, he'll stay there forever and, until he gets paid off um, but Jaden keep an eye on him because he's going to be a bit of work United don't seem to have that. Coming from mm. Ajax, though, he, he, he's used to young players. I'm sure, like, I know the Ajax Academy is the, the, a stellar institution, but there's definitely wrongings in there, too, that he, I'm sure he had to figure out. So it's like, this isn't new ground for him, you know? 
Yeah, sure, the team with that was there. There's always support structures with there, though. Mm. Like, he had a director of football, um, Mark Overmars, and he had a CEO, um, Edwin Van der Sar. Like, it was literally his job to coach, and then he might run up the line that this guy's a problem or that guy's a problem. But Man United just doesn't seem to be that there at all. And it's not just Sancho. Um, like, none of the players. Some of the, like a lot of the players seem to have poor attitudes. Like, did you see the clip last week of um, McTominay being out sprinted by the referee? Like, <laughs> I didn't actually. Oh my god! Like, and yeah, like he came on as a sub, fresh legs, and he's, this is a lad in the peak of his physical fitness. Then you have Rashford, who, as I said, he, he doesn't seem capable of pressing. Or like, I, he took a shot last week against Bayern Munich that you're like, was that a cross? And you watch it again, it's like, oh no, he was actually shooting from that angle, and you're quite oh. This seems a bit weird, like, and then Ten Hag was like, why are your players not pressing? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know why they're not tracking back. So this is the mess he's kind of gone into at United where he's inherited his player that was bought under a previous kind of, under Solskjaer with, with certain scout. And then basically, like, he didn't really look at the, the, the data looked great, but there was not taking into account that Sancho was playing with Erlen Haaland. Like, so chances are he's going to get a lot of assists if he's playing the match. And, it was more maybe they did have to look into the personal side of him and was he a good fit for the dressing room because that's that was going to be more the making and breaking of him because at this point he'd lost his place in the England team in Euro 2020 which was played in 21 he played the first match maybe against Ukraine and he was barely featured then so there's been a bit of a stink around him but I don't think he's the only one at United but I do think maybe Ten Hag has looked at him and this guy just isn't good enough either. It's not like it's Rashford who's going to get me 15 to 20 goals. Like, I watched him play in Dublin, Sancho. He played the first half as a false nine. Like, it didn't go well, <laughs> to be honest. So, like, I, I, uh, I don't know where he goes, but it's just more of United and being just a mess. And, yeah, I, he should just apologise. Ultimately, he should just apologise because Ten Hag's not going to apologise to him. And if he wants to play football again... He needs to swallow his pride and get on with it, really. Just a quick aside, because you mentioned referees and messes. Did you see the Jermaine Genus controversy over the last day and a half? (laughs) Um, So for those that haven't, basically, Jermaine Genus was the face of stopping abuse against referees. And then he was on Twitter saying that there were shithouses and (laughs) all this kind of stuff. Um, Connor, where do you stand? Is Uh, he right? uh, It's... This is why you need to be very selective about the brand deals that you do in any walk of life. Um, Look, there's referees out there who are dire um, across every sport. Wayne Barnes, shout out to you. Um, But um, I think regardless of your opinions of referees, when you're in the the position that he's in in the media, you you can't be doing that, especially when you're being touted at as Lineker's replacement on match of the day. You need to keep a clean nose. And regardless of that, like it's just not it's not okay to do because it, it it just f- sparks fury and when, look kids are gonna look at that and I know Jermaine Genus isn't a major player amongst the the under sixteen demographic but it just reflects in the grassroots I think and and kids end up calling refs everything and it's it's a tough job you know yeah I have to say I have a lot of sympathy for the referees because I think and Rob I'll get your opinion on this now um, I think they've been given a hard time over the last year yes there have been some calamitous decisions but 
the rules are changing so often now. That, and they're like, so grey as well. So grey. Like the handball one now, there's like, it's very set in stone where it's kind of like, uh, is it intentional or, uh, or is it not? Um, and does it, does it affect the trajectory of the ball and, and, and does it go in? That's pretty simple. But then there's like all these like, Ex, like ways of getting around that and they're all left up to interpretation and kind of going well did he really mean it was he trying to defend his face was it this was well, it's it like that? the, the Romero then, penalty that's a prime example like it's it's, it's it's it goes off his hand and even Neville is like try kneel down without putting your hands in the air like just just give it a go like is it so it's kind of like like you're saying it's it, you're almost within a second having to analyze what we could watch on fire for two weeks and still debate over it puts them in an unfair position you know and we're on our what third or fourth version of the offside rule in the past 10 years yeah like rob it's a it's a bit hard to be coming at the referees as constantly and as viciously as as genus oh yeah him and him genus and his matches they mate are probably the ones at fault for the bad stand as a referee and bear with me on this it's because they're so fucking lazy when it came to punditry that every match of the day They'd show a goal and a missed chance, wherever it might be, and then they focus on something the referee done. And you're like, oh, that's wrong. They got that wrong. They go, Why did he make that decision? I'm like, ultimately, a referee makes that decision because they thought that was the right decision. That's it. That's the, what they can do. And that's, for years, we had this talk of, oh, we need technology in football. That'll cut out mistakes. And it was like, Genus and Lineker and these bad pundits, really, were the ones at the front of this. They were leading the charge. Because unlike Neville and Carragher, they weren't doing actually any, any analysis. They were just going, that referee's wrong, that mistake is wrong, and um, look at this, how did they get that wrong? They need to fr- The referees need to come out and explain their decisions. And ultimately, that dripped and dripped, and then VAR came in. And it's got so much worse then since VAR came in. And now there's changing the ha- handball laws, there's changing to offside laws, and it's, it's just refereeing hasn't got any better because they can't, they're they human. They can't be any better. There are some good ones. There's some bad ones. There's some that you really question. But um, to come out like that on Twitter, or maybe he got a hold of his account. Maybe he doesn't normally tweet on his account and he got a hold of it that day. But it's it's, it's a really bad look. And I, it's always bothered me for years, even when even when decisions went against you. Like when, as Irish football fans, we were on the end of the worst decision ever, ever made, which was the Thierry Henry handball. But... If the referee saw it, he would have he would have gave it, he would have cut it out, and ultimately, there's not a lot more they can do. And I, there's a thing like, a few months ago on the overlap where Carragher, Neville, and Keane tried to referee a match, and they weren't. Carragher was okay, but the other two weren't particularly great. Oh, it was Neville like, and Keane, yeah, sorry, I remember. Yeah, this. they were tough. Yeah, like, yeah, they were yeah. really. It's a tough job. So, like, I just think these lazy pundits need to just take it, take a breath. Like, there's only so much these guys can do. And Rob, speaking of tough jobs, um, I forgot my password and had to reset for fantasy football, and and I'm glad I did because I didn't follow your, I wasn't able to follow your recommendations. <laughs> there was, a, there was hey, a, to be fair to him, Augusto. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Alvarez was the week before, and who was the other one? So, you got Salah, right? You, you got Salah, Salah right? That's fair. He did solid, and I think the the only ones that. Went proper dirty on you. Was getting rid of Watkins and and, yeah. and and Malagusta, but I don't think. To be fair to you, I don't. I don't think you could have foresaw what Gusto did and and the ref's reaction to it. You know. Yeah, that was actually that seemed. I actually don't even know. Was that a red card? Like you? No, not for me. You know what I mean? 
yeah and then you're like I watched it like three times match today I'm like no it is it isn't and then I'm like I don't care it's anyway I'm glad I didn't buy him I got Sven Botman though that got me 12 points so he was on my bloody bench good. I wanted to cry <laughs> him and Lamptey yeah. I wanted to oh don't even talk to me I, I'm playing a safer this week Killian. so I have three defenders I'm like I'm um, Neil Warnock in it up I'm going to or Tony Pulis I'm going to play strong at the back so Trippier and it's not even just kind of chasing points like they, Newcastle have great fixtures so and he's a natural s- switch for who you should sell which is Ben Chilwell so he's one point in the last three matches Chilwell and he hasn't started games and he, he might come in this week but I just think move him on and Newcastle have Burnley at home West Ham away Palace at home Wolves away if, if they concede in those games you might concede one goal maybe and Trippier has assist potential so I'll be getting him and then other two ones will be just like budget options if you have a couple of transfers so Kurt Zuma for West Ham he's cheap and um, West Ham are kind of like a stingy defence they have Sheffield United and you want to be kind of targeting bad teams they have Sheffield United next so and your other one is Dallow so United beat Palace 3-0 last night and they play him again and Dallow will definitely start because um, you know you have so many injuries and then I'd sell Sterling because there's too many good midfielders. Um, if you bought him a couple of weeks ago, because he was playing well, I'd just move him on because there's too many good players to hold on to anyone not doing well. And then I'd sell Ramsdale because he's not getting back in. <laughs> and if he was your only goalkeeper, you'd move him on and get someone like Ariel, Alphonse Ariola off West Ham or anyone really, even David Reyes. So I wouldn't be sticking with Ramsdale. Martinez is my go-to. And don't worry, Rob, I'm still a car- card-carrying follower of Robbie's F- FPL tips. So oh, I'll, 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 one, right? You're my aunt, Rob. I'll follow you into war. <laughs> and actually, just because you mentioned Warnock, um, if people haven't seen it, we start a new little thing on our social channels, but you should go and follow Adam at Not A Funded po- Podcast, um, where we did a little story on... Um, Neil Warnock following his dreams, or should I say his wife's. So if you want to learn more about that, head over to the socials. And gentlemen, that brings us to the end of another episode. Um, my thanks to you, our listener, and of course to Not Upon the Connor Glennon. Thanks, Mill boys. Great chat as always. I, uh, I look forward to the flack of, of an 18-team Premier League <laughs> coming back on us. And my thanks to journalist and author Robbie Redmond. Thanks, Kitty. Follow us on social, give us a like, leave a review, do all the good stuff, and we'll chat to you next week. Bye-bye. I'm not into podcasts. I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. What a hit! Back of the net.